Oh man, I have a hangover. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, why, why, why? It couldn't possibly have anything to do with the state of the world. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Oh my god. We're just, you know, back on nuclear alerts. in the Diary of Doom. I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of Doom Metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you may um, get your podcast from. And if you have a question or want to pitch something or whatever, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon that you can support. Uh, go over to patreon.com slash diaryofdoom for additional podcast episodes about other uh, supposedly interesting things. And... Uh, <laughs> Whew. I have a, I am a, have a wicked hangover, and uh, but nothing. Uh, some some bong rips and a a bowl of uh, uh, Progresso Italian wedding soup probably can't fix. Um, and uh, you know, as we're as we're sitting here on the possible eve of nuclear war, I've got Sam Riggins from Cosmic Eye Brewing in the house today as our guest. And, What's up? Um, much like uh, previous guests in front of the show, Jason from Wake, he is the uh, the the head mastermind behind uh, uh, this operation, and I yeah. believe uh, Jason and it was Jason and our uh, other uh, all mutual friend John Hopkins who were saying that to do an episode with. Oh, nice! You're wearing the shirt. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I couldn't even. I was like, wow, he's got a really bright. You know what else? The, your uh, your subtitle is kind of like blocking it so it's oh like yeah, yeah wearing like a traffic shirt there we go <laughs> uh well i appreciate that man it was funny when i put it on today i haven't worn this yet and um i kind of have this thing i wear the same clothes like for several days in a row <laughs> so i kind of have like the same four shirts i wear all the time on top of my drawer mm -hmm. and anything under that just sort of gets like forgotten about <laughs> so this was actually the first time i got it on and my my daughter who's 13 like i only have black t-shirts and so she was like uh you look awful like bright today or something like that <laughs> yeah so i know it was pretty funny i have a predominantly dark colored wardrobe as well and uh there's a few that you know i have like two yellow shirts and like yeah, yeah. obviously i have one of the uh burrito metal shirts for myself and I haven't actually worn it anywhere yet. And I'm like uh, waiting. I don't know when I'm going to break it out. But yeah, man, these things really stand yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, right. It's like it's yeah. not even yourself, you know. You're in like 
out of the corner of your eye all these bright colors and you're like holy shit this is me <laughs> yeah i mean the the benefit of it is that the color is so striking people are going to be drawn to the shirt and be like yeah, yeah. Whoa, what the hell is yeah, that yeah. actually it was, we actually got shorted a couple and i um, wound up getting some other ones and because of logistics and shipping that you know yeah, yeah. beyond beyond just the music and vinyl industry has been dealing with uh, you know, that's all supply chains. And I wound up getting some different other uh, orange shirts as the replacements. And I actually kind of liked them a little bit better. They were, they have a bit more of like that, like scratchy sort of texture to them. Oh, they're like yeah, a darker yeah. orange. So yeah. I'm probably, and they're also like a different material. So they're a little softer. So I'll probably go for those next time. I really like those. Nice. Not that the, not that the regular batch wasn't Yeah, hey, wasn't these are great. great. <laughs> Shout outs to Dave. <laughs> And uh, Corey for doing all that and and whatnot. Uh, just quickly before we get into it, I just wanted to do a quick review of the uh, Yob shows that I went to oh, at St. Vitus. Um, yeah, you were telling me that you were a little envious. I'm so jealous of that. I, I mean, I, how many times does like a band like that roll through Lincoln, Nebraska? Kind of goes in phases. You know, it's, it's just kind of like every other scene where mm -hmm. you'll have somebody booking shows pretty solid for a long time and then you know we're a co we're a college town too um so you'll kind of get people that kind of are booking shows doing stuff and then you know they start getting to the age where they're getting a more serious career uh having kids that kind of thing kind of falls off for a couple of years somebody else kind of picks up the slack um yob's actually played lincoln a shitload oh, that's um, awesome I've, I've probably seen Yob here in Lincoln eight, eight or ten times, probably. They would come, they'd come through and play here all the time. I mean, I've known, I've known Mike and Travis for twenty years, and you know Aaron since he's been in the band. So uh, they play here all the time. One of the biggest problems we have here is just like venue size and availability. Bourbon Theater is kind of is probably our best venue in town, but you know it's a 1,500, 1,500 seat theater. The First, the size that Yob would play here, kind of like, you know, 150, 200 cap rooms. One of those got torn down a couple of years ago for uh, building a hotel. Another one's like venue that's been a college bar, too. They're kind of going all in on being a college bar right. uh, versus a venue. Uh, our friends at 1867 are downtown. It's a really small room. You know, it's 40, 50 people in there and it's packed. Um, so we're hoping to, uh, alleviate some of that and get more, more bands in here. We're actually in the process of getting a PA, getting a light rig and, and doing shows that size here at the brewery. So, um, hopefully very soon we'll be having a lot more of these kind of shows. Um, we're halfway between Denver and, and Minneapolis or Chicago. So, I mean, all these bands are already driving through here. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're eight at we're exactly eight hours uh, from and right smack dab in the middle from all those towns. So uh, we're a good stop. There's just not a lot of places to play. And, you know, when we talk to our friends and bands and we're like, hey, why aren't you booking more shows? It really just comes down to like venue size and and its availability. So, yeah, we get these shows, you know, fairly often. It's not pre-pandemic. It's not enough. It, you know, it's not. It's not St. Vitus, uh, four nights a job, but you know. Oh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it was it was fucking awesome. And like I've I've seen Yob before, but I've never seen a full set because I had to just 
leave for whatever reasons, you know, one of them was at Psycho Las Vegas and it's just, you know, that's just like a whirlwind of events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was really awesome. I felt like I owed him at least two shows. I wound up going to a third show uh, because my friend, the aforementioned Dave um, from Made in Brooklyn uh, wound up having an extra ticket. So I wound up going on the 20th, the 21st and the 23rd and the openers in order were uh, uh, Sanhedrin, uh, Netherlands, and Ecstatic Vision. Somnuri oh, you missed was, the Somnuri show. Yeah, uh, they were they were the yeah, off yeah. day. So yeah, yeah. sorry, Somnuri. I'll, I'll I'll see you at, at Desert Fest. Yeah, um, I the I really wanted to. I love Netherlands and Somnuri so much. Um, that Somnuri record last year is probably easily oh yeah top two or three of my favorite records from last year. It was awesome. Uh, my buddy Chris uh, Enriquez manages both those bands too, so I really wish I could have gone out and, and hung out and and done that, but that's okay. Next well, time. Was, Next time. Was, they were all killer. Uh, great spread of opening bands. Like all those bands have their own sound, and I yeah. don't feel like any of them are just you know yob light or anything like that. Yeah. Right. I think it's hard to be any, I, I think Yob is just so unique um, in what they do and their approach to everything that like you can really put anybody with them. You're not really, you don't have to worry about them doubling down on sound. No, um, no. And it, it's, yeah. it was, it was a little bit, you know, dodgy the first night. And I guess, you know, that's just like a first night kind of thing, you know, by the fourth night they had it really like, you know, absolutely yeah. like dialed in but yeah i mean i can run through the you know the set lists uh quick they you know <laughs> they only have so many songs a lot of them are yeah. really long yeah right so, um it, the first you can, night you can run down all three songs they played every night <laughs> yeah exactly uh so the the first night they played uh prepare the ground atma breathing from the shallows unmasked the specter marrow which was fucking rad and then and Quantum Mystic. The next night, they opened with Burning the Altar. Then they moved on to The Lie That Is Sin, The Screen, which was fucking rad. Uh, but upon the Sight of the Other Shore, Adrift in the Ocean, fucking rad. And then closed out with Grasping for Air. And then on the last night, they did Prepare the Ground, The Screen, Upon the Sight of the Other Shore, The Lie That Is Sin, Adrift in the Ocean, Burning the Altar. So the last night was kind of the one where they, yeah. was probably like their most, like, normal set list i guess yeah yeah know. awesome so it was really cool and uh you know i think by the time this episode comes out uh i'll have gone to see uh uncle asses kicking off their oh, tour sweet. yeah i'm going to week. that a, we're going to that at, in kansas city at the end of the month so i love yeah. king, i love king buffalo so much mm -hmm. and what a double bill i mean i'm the uncle asset guys are good friends of ours too so i'm you know, we haven't seen them since the pandemic and um, you know, one of their shows, their Omaha show was one of the very first things that got canceled, mm -hmm. um, when the pandemic hit and like, we were getting ready to do a beer with them for that. And, you know, like that was that, I think that was really kind of our first casualty of, of the pandemic. <laughs> and it's a, it's a real bummer because we, we love those guys and they always, they stay in our parking lot whenever they come through town and hang out for a day and. Um, not seeing them for this long is kind of has sucked. <laughs> I'm sure just like that's just like the benefit of that too. It just seems like an inherently probably like a bit more of a safer spot to park a fucking truck like that. Yeah, we and we have a giant parking lot, um, so it's like you know I think everybody's used to getting in the city and like having to park 
some weird place because they had to load in in the alley and then drive 10 blocks to park a bus or leave it somewhere so it's pretty awesome they just yeah they'll just come and set up shop in our parking lot for the night <laughs> mm. any bands uh hit me up if you're coming through and want to stop by you're you're always welcome to hang you heard it straight from the horse's mouth but um yeah but you know speaking on your brewery you know what for what came first for you your passion for music or passion for brewing well um my mom was a music teacher and our uh like church music director um so i've been heavily involved in music um longer than i've been involved in anything else you know i mean i was doing choir stuff and playing piano before I was even in kindergarten. Um, and then, you know, just from being a performer and, and those things at such a young age, um, you know, when I started kind of getting into like fourth grade, uh, you know, MPV was kind of right in its prime. It was kind of like right when all those big videos were hitting. It was the uh, Duran Duran Rio stuff was hitting. Michael Jackson Thriller was, you couldn't, spit and not hit something from thriller somewhere mm -hmm. you know zz top eliminator stuff was blowing up right then um so kind of right at an age where you kind of start becoming aware of other things you know all that all those all those huge records were all over mtv and i got into that stuff just in a really heavy way really young and then the one the thing that sort of changed everything for me I was, it was the summer of 1984 and a friend of mine and I were walking up uh, to play video games at, at Walmart. I grew up in a town of about 4,000 people and we're walking along and there was just this uh, tape on the ground and it was all, everything was worn off of it. You could just see kind of like on the very top, this little teeny tiny logo that you couldn't really read. So we had no idea what it was, fought over it a little bit. You know, I saw it first, I saw it first. Finally, I was like, hey, dude, just go, you know, take it. He went to his house. We went up, played video games for half hour or whatever. And uh, he took it back to his house. And it, it was probably 15, 20 minutes later, he called me and said, hey, this tape sucks. You can come get it. <laughs> and so I was like, all right. So I took it home, put it on my shitty little boom box. And you, you couldn't tell what was side A or side B even because uh, it was so worn off put it in, played it, um, absolutely was the coolest, most dangerous, amazing thing. I'd never heard anything like it. It was so fast. It was so heavy. It was so crazy. And then, you know, we didn't have things like the internet, you know, Headbangers Ball still wasn't a thing on MTV. You'd see heavy metal magazines and stuff at, at the bookstores and stuff, but I wasn't really paying attention to that yet because I didn't really know or understand what it was you know again i was like in fourth grade so a couple of years later i'm flipping through so i don't even remember what i had but i was flipping through something and saw the metallica logo and i was like holy shit this tape that i had was was metallica kill them all and had no idea what it was i had been listening to it excessively for two years and had no clue and when I finally found that, I think I was at sixth or seventh grade then. And I don't remember if it was a skate magazine or if it was a music magazine. Uh, but I immediately went out and had like got Ride the Lightning, got Master of Puppets, and just 
it totally changed changed my whole life um and so that's always my how i kind of got into metal story and heavy music i was really gearing up for you to say that it was like a fucking tony bennett album yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know so i totally got into heavy metal uh by accident by finding a tape on the road when i was a kid and then it was just all over from there you know like that was just it for me and have never really looked back you know i'm 47 years old now my poor mom uh still refers to it as a phase um you know and uh, meanwhile i'm out here going to as many shows as i can you know still buying t-shirts still buying records uh we still only buying black t-shirts yeah still wearing black t-shirts generally we only play pretty heavy music here in the brewery we play pretty slow plotting doom stuff here we're not doing a lot of screamy crazy shit yeah it's got uh, a little bit more atmosphere too yeah yeah yeah. you know like we're usually playing stuff that you can kind of tune out if you don't want to be paying attention to it you know on some days where i'm feeling generous i'll put on like some back catalog zz top and then people are like what you listen to this and it's like yeah man you know i listen to i listen to a little bit of everything it's just you know the loud loud mean guitars are where it's at and then it was really like late in my teenage years and early 20s when I kind of got into beer. I was never, you know, we were Bush Light in Southeast Nebraska is its uh, number one market in the world. Um, the amount. Is that your Bush, first beer? I don't remember what my first beer would have been, but that's what everybody here drank. Um, and I never liked it and I was never interested in it. And then my, my dad was in the National Guard. Uh, and in his unit, it was a lot of guys that used to be like in the Air Force or in the Army that were stationed in mostly in Germany. And so they'd come down from Lincoln or Omaha to our little town and bring German stuff that they that we couldn't even get, you know, and they'd like just drop them off for my dad. And so when I was growing up, we'd have like kind of like the cool imported beers in our fridge. And my parents didn't really drink a lot. So, but if I was stealing beers out of the fridge, it was like a pollen or Hefeweizen or something like that. Um, and so that always was a lot more interesting to me than, you know, and this was also the time of like, you know, Spuds McKenzie and, you know, every beer commercial was like, you know, chicks in bikinis on the yeah, beach very, playing, yeah, playing very volleyball. Like, yeah. Very like male like, daisy. You know, like I, I was like, that's not me. You know, I don't. I don't do any of this shit. I don't own a boat. I don't water ski. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, I know and, the irony that it's for fucking bush light. And I'm just yeah, like, yeah. you know who drinks this? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like the, I think part of it was, I knew it was bullshit. And then their marketing strategy only proved to me that it was bullshit. And so when, when I started discovering, Hey, there, there's small breweries that do this, we traveled a lot growing up too. So when we'd go out of town, when I was in my early twenties with my folks, like we'd always go to brew pubs and it was just always fascinating to me. And I, you know, I, I had figured out when I was 18 that it was an actual job. Fritz Maytag from uh, Anchor Brewing always has a story that he was walking by the brewery when he saw it was for sale and it, he was rich as shit. Um, so money didn't really matter to him. Uh, his family was the Maytag washer and dryer family. So he had all the money from that. And so he was just walking in San Francisco one day and saw the brewery was for sale and thought to himself, hey, 
I never thought you could own a brewery. So he bought it. And that's wow, kind of how I was. Like Citizen Kane <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And that's always kind of how I was with beer too. It was like, holy shit, this is a job. You can do this for a living. And then I just kind of chased that for a long time. It took a lot longer than I wanted it to. You know, I eventually uh, got a job at a brewery in Omaha. I worked at Nebraska Brewing Company for a long mm -hmm. time and then uh, ended up having to leave there just because it's a commute and my wife kept getting promotions and had to travel more. And that just kind of accelerated us into this a little faster than I, I probably wanted it to. But yeah, we started uh, started this process in earnest about five years ago uh, and then opened up the, the brewery in well, about right about three and a half years now so it just was kind of a thing that just snowballed i kind of go all in on stuff uh when i'm into it so it's either sort of like i'll think about it for a couple days and then just become disinterested in it or i'm spending all my time and all my money being completely obsessed by it the obsession with beer just never went away uh, and the more I learned about it, the more I was interested in it, and the more interested I got in it, the more I wanted to learn about it. And then here we are. <laughs> so you, you opened the brewery like kind of like right before the world shut down. Yeah, we were right at um, we were right at a year and a half <laughs> being open when we started getting shutdowns. And it was that it was, you know, they kind of tell you that year to two years is kind of your sweet spot for when you're going to see some growth and take off. Mm -hmm. And we were really just kind of seeing things do this for us. And then, you know, two weeks later, uh, everything went to shit. You know, we were completely shut down uh, for two or three weeks. And then we were only to go for months. Mm -hmm. um, and when you sell beer, it's a lot about, you know, all businesses are about margins, uh, but it's a lot more sensitive than beer because our business model was to have a busy tap room and sort of have distribution kind of fill in some holes. Yeah. Uh, because when you start putting beer in cans, you know, you've got to pay for the can, the lid, the, the label, the box. And it's you wanted there. to make it a destination. Yeah. As yeah, yeah. To, yep. You could just yep. go to the store yep. and get dogfish head. Right. And you know. so the the big thing that hits us too is a restaurant that's selling twelve ninety nine cheeseburgers can still sell their twelve ninety nine cheeseburger to go, and people don't complain about it. A six dollar pint of beer that we sell, you know, we're selling the same six pack for nine bucks. So you just take such a hit on margin when you have to go to to go only. We were still selling similar volumes. Um, we were still selling similar revenue amounts uh but just taking that hit on margin was just it was just a crusher for us right and and i i don't know how i don't know how a lot of us got through it because the federal funding was you know it helped but in the grand scheme of things one of the things when you start a business and do a business is you learn very quickly that um you know fifty thousand dollars is simultaneously a lot of money and it's not shit <laughs> because you can just make it dis you can make it disappear in in two or three days oh yeah uh, and so you know you see all this stuff with like oh hey ppp funding that should have helped you a lot well you know it it helped us get by um but it didn't help us thrive or succeed um so we're kind of finally seeing us and lincoln's been on we've been on mask mandates longer than everybody else has which i i totally agree with 
is something we should have been doing. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about them. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we're, we're finally kind of seeing ever. We just came out of our mask mandates here in Lincoln uh, last Friday, hopefully for the last time. And that was part of it for us here too, was like, we'd have mask mandates for two months and then we'd be out of it for three weeks. And then on the fourth week, hey guys, we're seeing numbers spike at our hospitals here. So let's get back in the masks. And then we'd be back in masks for two or three months. And then everything would start dying down again. We'd go out of the mandates and get back into them. So we were just on this like wave. Nobody really knowing from, from week to week what what to do. Um, and it just made it just made it really hard, um, especially for a business our size. You know, it's it's basically my wife and I manage the company we have eight bartenders and i have one full-time brewer um so you know it's my wife and i doing all the behind the scenes work all the backstage stuff and she works a full-time job on on top of this so you know when you're every week having to completely readjust what your business is and what your business is doing uh it's really difficult <laughs> yeah i i can only I, imagine you know you know and at the same time though i think we're very fortunate that it's just her and i because i we make we're able to make decisions mm-hmm. very quickly you know a, a lot of times it's like i'll pick up the i'll have some dumb idea uh pick up the phone call her say hey should we do this and she's like yep and it's like that fast you know there's there's no meeting there's no consensus building and you know 95 times out of 100 um, we completely see eye to eye on things. Um, there's, it's very rare that it's like, Hey, we should do this. And one of us says, well, that's stupid. <laughs> so every once, every once in a while. Um, and it's usually my ideas are the ones that get shot down. Cause usually if I have a dumb idea, it's pretty dumb. Uh, but <laughs> it, you know, it, it did sort of help us be able to make and implement things really quickly. Um, especially with the staff too. Like, you know, I don't have, I don't have to go out and talk to 50 people about stuff. I can talk to two or three people and it all gets sorted out. So it's kind of a blessing and a curse. So, so I, I pitched uh, this question to Jason uh, from Wake and at this point in the game, you know, there's so many breweries out there. It's kind of hard to keep track, let alone there's a lot of heavy, there's a whole slew of heavy metal breweries and, and shit like that. So, you know, for you, like, what did you want to, to try to make Cosmic Eye stand apart? I mean, you already kind of touched on it on making it like more of a destination as yeah, opposed to, right. uh, you know, oh, we got to get our product like out in the stores, on the shelves and whatnot. Sure. I mean, I think for us, you're so tied into this as a, as a small business. And again, it's, you know, it's just me and my wife. And I think, you know, we both have pretty big personalities. Um, and just, just having this be a reflection of, of us and what, what we're into, um, made it pretty easy for us to set ourselves apart, not just in Lincoln, but, but really in the, in the whole Nebraska market, you know, we're collectors, weirdos and making a place where we could extend our art collection, our collection of things in our tap room. I mean, we, our place looks kind of like a TGI Fridays, like gone wrong. <laughs> For heavy uh, metal. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, you know, we have a lot of friends that are tattooers. Uh, we have a lot of friends that are artists. So we have that stuff kind of predominantly up and in here. 
so you know being able to set our part ourselves apart just like culturally by like hey look we're you know i throw the term heavy metal around loosely you know when i'm talking about heavy metal i'm just sort of talking you know i'd like kind of the way people say it's punk you know like yeah. metal for me is is huge and all-encompassing and so when i say you know we're a heavy metal brewery i just you know we're really referring to you know aggressive guitar driven music in sort of any form but like just just kind of setting that up that like we're we one of our taglines is nebraska's most heaviest brewery it just kind of helped make it easy to set ourselves apart and then one of the other things we really focus on is clean approachable drinkable beers that are immediately recognizable as beer we don't do the pastry stouts we don't do the hazy beers we don't do the super fruit slushy lactose shit i get why people do it i have no problems with people doing it there's nine thousand breweries in the country uh if we were all doing the same thing it we just be back where we were when it was Bud miller course uh, so we really wanted to do our beers our way have them be recognizable to people and you know in a lot of ways we're in nebraska still in a very emerging craft beer market craft beer sales in our state are three percent of the overall beer market if you get a, if you get into busier cities um if you get into like your chicago's your new york's uh you know it's it's 15 and 20 percent of mm -hmm. the market so we're still really in an emerging market here so having beers that are still delicious still approachable was important for us to do just to kind of keep keep that door open for the not the not craft beer drinker i know that's kind of been a shift in a lot of breweries and it's not just you know the 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 heavy metal ones or whatever you know i mean it could be i mean it could just be like reflective of you know if you want to get all like sociological about it, it could be more reflective of like your heavy metal's been traditionally like a more working class kind of blue collar type of yeah, sure. music and the, that yeah. kind of beer is what appeals to like that kind of kind of uh, people but i think it's just on the grander scale you know kind of the craft market got to the point where it had found its audience and it needed to keep building outward as any business oh, does and, and that's why absolutely. everybody started shifting towards i don't want to call them like budweiser knockoffs but sort of yeah. that more approachable style of beer you oh know? yeah like founders back in the day did a good job with with the little with their uh session ipa oh absolutely you know, that was that brought in so many people oh it sure that did. were not craft drinkers and yeah, now yeah. My girlfriend loves loggers and pilsners. I've really come around to them. It, it just comes to the point where I'm like, you know, if I'm like at a show, yeah, there you go. So and, we we just released this last week. So almost. Oh, you almost released computer. that from your hand. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, if you would have told me 20 years ago that I was going to release a light beer, I yeah. wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> and the other, and I think the other thing too with it, go to any kind of like venue that is that you know is like heavy metal in nature or caters to that genre well there's that crossover between metal nerds and beer nerds oh and yeah kind of they want to see that now so you're seeing more of these beers popping up in yep. different markets but it's also good for you because when i go to a show i don't know if i necessarily want to be like powering through an ipa you know i yeah. kind of want to like be yep. able to just chill on something and that's yeah like, well it, but it still those... tastes good especially those long ass shows where there's like four and five bands 
Uh, yeah, I can't be drinking seven percent you know, IPAs yeah, all night. Eight percent well, IPAs. Yeah, it it crushes your palate. You know, if you drink, if you're drinking, I mean, in a seven percent beer, I mean, it, you're starting to get a fair amount of booze in that. You know, and when on when you're on your fourth or fifth pint, uh, it's it's too much. Um, you know, when I was growing up in the '90s, uh, PBR was huge at shows uh, because that was their that was their only marketing money. Uh, you know, they didn't do commercials, they didn't do magazine ads. They'd have some billboards up every once in a while, but PBR's two main uh, marketing pushes were rodeos and like underground music shows. Um, it was the weirdest thing. So I mean, I guess that to, explains why it was big in like the 2000s hipster culture. Yeah, it, it absolutely comes from them sponsoring shows, running drink specials at shitty venues and shitty bars. And yeah, cause you go in and you get a PBR for a buck 50 or even, I think they were even a dollar at some point. So I remember you know, just seeing buckets of them and it was like, yeah, you go into like, a, it, like I used to go to CMJ in the city and, and I, cause I worked on the college radio station and they would always have events and it's just buckets of PBR yep. and it's just like, have at it. Yep. It's and that free. was, that was their whole marketing budget. Um, so, you know, I still gravitate towards wanting that kind of beer when where it shows it's why i mean we do two versions of this beer we do uh, one's called dead man's run uh, and this is the light version dead man's light the reason it's in 16 ounce cans is because pbr and hams come in 16 ounce cans and that's what we drink at shows so um you know part of our goal with these beers is to have them out and available when you come through and, and are at shows in nebraska still waiting for that to take off but it'll get there and like, you know, obviously, you know, we kind of, we touched on it, you know, given the pandemic and, you know, you being a young brewery, but I mean, for you having kind of been in the game now, you know, for a while, you know, what's changed for you as, as a brewer since, like, since you started at Nebraska and yeah. since you started, uh, and since you started Cosmic Eye? I think the big changes have just been like, you know, when I first started brewing professionally, it was when everybody was in kind of the nuclear arms race of, bitterness you know yeah. everybody was wanted to release 100 ibu ipas and it was like it was right at a time when and everybody was pushing hard for abv limits and really really big big beers you know everything had to be barrel aged um and really i mean that would that would have been let's see i started brewing professionally in 2010 and so, you know, I kind of came in right in the middle of that nuclear arms race of bitterness and the most alcohol you could have in a beer and really watching um, like barrel age stuff take off. And, you know, a lot of that stuff was just kind of like still beer nerd only, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't some 60 year old grandma from Lincoln, like going out and drinking West Coast IPAs. You know, it was still some 25 year old guy that was into beer um who lived what, who lived in his grandmother's basement yeah, right, yeah who, who had his grandma buy it for him at the store um uh, and so um uh, you know when we started building the brewery uh you kind of get so laser beam focused on build out because you're just so busy and there's so much to pay attention to that there were a couple really big shifts in the market that i just really wasn't aware of and one of them was just like 
the the 750 milliliter format bottles like the big champagne bottles yeah of barrel aged beers just died and i mean that was honestly like a third of a third of our business plan because one of the things we were really famous for and really successful for at nebraska brewing uh, was our barrel aged beers uh specifically uh uh, chardonnay barrel aged belgian style beers we were doing it better than anybody we sort of helped originate what was going on with that whole scene before i worked there they just started doing that when i when i went to work there and as far as i'm aware the only other brewery in the country at that point that had done anything in chardonnay barrels was uh, russian river Mm -hmm. uh, in california so we really did help kind of innovate that stuff and so i wanted to kind of continue that here uh, and then that whole market for those barrel aged beers just absolutely just died uh and it was to the point that it was like eh, never mind <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that that really happened was this this shift to to ipa i mean i'd kind of seen things scuttlebutt on it you know but i hadn't really been out at tap rooms i hadn't really been to any beer events for a while uh and then all of a sudden we open and we had well, let's see, we had 15 beers on within the first month that we opened. Uh, two of them were IPAs. And I thought we were going to get torn apart and eaten alive for having two because it was too many. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, man, where's all the IPAs? And it was just cr- and, and the whole demographic of the people that were coming in here was very different than I thought it was going to be. Because, uh, I mean, we were having... Our, our customer base in the tap room absolutely skews older. Retirees, 55 plus, um, is, and it's the weirdest thing to me because it's not what I thought was going to happen. And, and women, we have way more women than I ever thought that we would have here. If you go on our Facebook page, I think 55 or 60% of our followers are women compared to men, uh, which I never, I never saw. I, I think it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I never saw that coming because when I was doing stuff before, it was just so dude, dude. It's like going to a show, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like 90 dudes and like a couple of their wives. And like, you're like, man, this shit could be so much cooler. But like, I didn't really see that shit coming of like more and more and more women getting interested in it. Uh, and the other really big shift was just, to the more drinkable approachable beers which i which i absolutely love Mm -hmm. um i was my joke is that i like to drink a lot of beers um so i typically make beers that you can drink a lot of and really the shift down in abv and the shift to like lagers and doing crisper cleaner beers because i mean i absolutely love german lagers Mm -hmm. um I, i love the whole their whole philosophy and culture around how beer works for them because uh, I really wish it was more like that here. It's, you know? It is it is impressive how different it is in Europe. Yeah. And it's like, I've worked around wine quite a bit. Sure. And it's it's also so fascinating how much, like just the absolute difference between like the old world of winemaking is compared to American and just the, the palates and the, the different aspects of it. And that's so true about beer. And I just feel like there's, well, I guess because a lot of it goes back to uh, nerd alert. Uh, I, a lot of it goes back to they wanted to 
like you know i know i know that beer has throughout history and alcoholic drinks you know it's something to celebrate you know whatever whatever but those like lighter more approachable beers i mean those were like for farmers and people that work yeah you know, something right. that was gonna get, give yep. them a, like some refreshment yep. but taste good you know yep. but not get them hammered you know right you know it's specifically it's like farmhouses but all of those were supposed to be drinkable it's not supposed to be Oh, I'm going to drink like 85 of these because I want to get hammered. It's no, you're supposed yeah, to yeah. be enjoying this. It's like right. how every fucking Italian family like makes their own fucking yeah. wine. Right. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. you know, you, they, some they do. I don't know. I, I don't want to make overgeneralizations here. All of them. All of them. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think really that shift to uh, more approachable, more drinkable, simpler beers, because I mean, the way I write recipes, um, I want, I want to be able to focus on, a couple different things uh, and i want you to taste the ingredients we use i don't want to just saturate it with stuff and have it be just hoppy or just malty i want you to be able to pick out the ingredients that we use but even if you don't know what they are on your palate i want you to be able to tell the difference of of what we're using one of the best compliments i've had here over and over again you know, back to the sort of IPA conversation and why don't you have more of them? I think we have six up now. Jesus. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have seven of 24 beers now are IPAs. Um, so over and, a quarter of them. Yeah, yeah, which I never in a million years thought would happen. Um, but one of the things that people will always come in and tell tell me, or we'll see reviews on Google or Untapped or whatever, uh, is that people will say it's a lot of IPAs, but they're all different. One of my biggest pet peeves with the whole New England hazy thing is that what people are really doing is just jamming ingredients in, and you get to a point with hop oils and a and saturation where you can't really distinguish one from the other. So to me, a lot of those New England, even really well-made ones, a lot of those New England IPAs all kind of have the same thread, the same feel, the same taste to me. Yes. Mm, I love drinking burnt grass. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's, it's a lot of hot burn. And going back to saying, hey, look, we want you to be able to taste the ingredients that we use, even if you don't know what they are. And we'll have compliments all the time about oh man they have seven ipas and it's amazing that they're all completely different i don't know if that's really something that i've worked hard on doing or it was just an easy thing for me just because it's like the philosophy of it is you can taste it but yeah it's crazy to me that we have seven ipas on now we have three yes and three of them are double ipas which is just i never saw it coming <laughs> You talked about how you're trying to expand Cosmic Eye out into having a PA system. You can have shows and build yeah. that up, and that's really cool. I mean, is there like, is there a Nebraska scene out there, and or is it kind of like, is it just sort of like spread out? You know, I know that yeah. bands tend to have some, you know, qualms out going out that way. There's just like just fucking nothing out here. You're just yeah, yeah. Across state, it's a terrible place to like break down. Da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. But I know that metalheads will come out for it because, you know, it's a it has a dedicated following and it's niche and so is yeah, craft right. beer. Right. Yeah. So the scene here, it's weird to me now just because I'm fucking old and, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm still out of show. I mean, I've been to three or four shows in the last month. We just had uh, the Decibel, Decibel Tour yeah. kick through. 
I was up at that a couple weeks ago. But like the, the scene here is really, um, really revolves mostly around shows. There's not like a metal bar you can go to, like either in Link, you know, Lincoln and Omaha are where mm-hmm. most most people live. And then it's it's sort of Lincoln and Omaha are the population centers, and then the rest of the state in its population equals what Lincoln and Omaha have together. So you start getting outside of Lincoln and Omaha, and it's a lot of towns of, you know, big ones are 20,000 people, and then the small ones are, you know, 150 people. So it's a, it's a lot, and everything in between. So really, once you get outside of Lincoln and Omaha, there's really not population centers. Kearney is out west and has a college. They'll do some shows and stuff sometimes. But really, outside of, hey, decibel tours coming to town, there's not really, like, metal hangout spots. We were really kind of hoping that that would happen here. But then I also know we're kind of up against just not having the population really to support it like that way. You know, mm-hmm. I know if we were in Chicago or New York that our customer base would look very different. We'd be able to play some heavier, faster records um, and nobody would complain. But yeah, the scene here, it's its weird for me just, just kind of hard to be old and not being able to be mm-hmm. out and about all the time. And also just kind of being so tied in with what we have to do here and not always being able to get away. But yeah, the scene's good for shows. Tours coming through, it's either, it's it, we're an absolute hit or miss market. You're either going to yeah. have a fucking banger or it's going to be four people there. And I, I hate for it to happen to, to a lot of these bands, but when you're a fan and you get to go see somebody with like 12 people, it's real. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've had a couple of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely have had a couple of those. So, what uh, beers are you most proud of making? Yeah, I, and I have a follow up to that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really it's really hard to kind of pin that down because I just kind of go through generally what I'm drinking at the brewery kind of tends to be like whatever just came out. You know, I have a handful of beers on that that have been staples here since we've opened. And most of those beers were getting brewed some way, shape or form at my house before we opened, just as pilot brewing, test batch kind of stuff. Uh, so there's some of these beers we have that I've been drinking for for six years almost. And I've kind of, well, I don't not think they're good. They've just kind of run their course for me. And I'm not like necessarily looking to have them anymore. I will say the things that I'm the most proud of doing here um, is all the collaborations that we've been able to do. Uh, we do a lot of collaboration beers. Um, that kind of started with bands um, and it's kind of moved into doing stuff with uh, other local businesses here that are generally really good friends of ours. I'm really proud that people aren't just like don't just trust us to do it and throw their name on our cans and our product, but like, you know, trust us to make a quality product for them and want us to do it. Like last week, we just, uh, we released two collaboration beers last week. We did uh, one with a local bar group here. Jake's is in uh, Lincoln and Omaha. And then they have a couple other bars that are called Beercade and St. Andrews. Uh, so we did a collaboration beer with them and released it on Wednesday. Last weekend, uh, Iron Brush Tattoos here in Lincoln, they've been our best friends for 20 plus years. Uh, and we their 20th anniversary was, was uh, in February. So we did a beer for that. 
and released that last week and it was an absolute banger and just blow up day for us. Um, so I'm really proud that people trust us enough and, and, and like me enough to, to want to want to do it because everybody we've done collab beers with, it's, it's people that I'm fans of, you know, I'm into what they're doing, probably have been for a long time. I would say those are the things that I'm the most proud of here at the brewery for sure. Talk, you were talking about the Uncle Acid. You've done band collabs, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like in the vein of what Wake uh, has done. Um, do you, you know, like what have you done with that? And also, do you have any that you're you've got coming up? Yeah, yeah. So um, we've done uh, two. We've done two uh, beers with Municipal Waste. Dave Whitty. I'm friends with all those guys, but Dave's Dave's a really good friend of mine. He's a big beer guy. Yeah, I actually met Dave on the floor at Great American Beer Fest one year. Um, oh, nice. It was really cool. And we've been friends ever since. So the first beer that we did with them uh, was a black lager. Uh, and Dave and I have been talking about trying to get together on something for a long time. Uh, they were coming through uh, with uh, Napalm Death on that co-headlining tour. And um, I was like, dude, this is it. We finally got it. Um, so we did uh, Your Cutoff, which was a black lager. Uh, we actually play that song from them every single night at Last Call. Um, That's awesome. We have, it, we have a Last Call playlist, um, and it, uh, it's White Snake Still of the Night. Uh, and then it goes into uh, Your Cutoff. Uh, and then it, it goes into, uh, it just, we just have Bong Ripper on and just turn it way up. Uh, <laughs> That's your signal. Um, so we had always done more cut off on our last call. Um, so we did that beer and then, um, for, uh, decibel, uh, metal and beer fest out in Philly, uh, we did your cutoff, uh, volume two with them, which was more of an American lager kind of going back to the idea of show beers should be show beers kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we're brewing it specifically for an event, brewing it specifically for a show. So we want those crushers. Um, so we did that beer with them and released it uh, in September for Decibel Metal and Beer. Originally for uh, that, and that Decibel Metal and Beer, that was like pandemic, rescheduled, rescheduled. I think they rescheduled that twice, three, time, three times, maybe. Yeah. It might have been three times. It was two or three. Um, and that that one really sucked because we had already uh, brewed our collab beer with Magic Circle for that. I was it was like I was getting ready to send the beer out the next week to Philly for this, and then got the phone call. It was like, "Hey guys, this shit isn't happening." And luckily, we had that beer uh, because we weren't holding on to a lot of package beer then. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was that beer got us through like the first two weeks of the pandemic because we didn't have any other beer to sell. <laughs> oh my um, god. And then we've never been able to revisit that um, magic circle just didn't come back on that bill. So that one was weird. Cause like I, that was just some phone calls and talking to those dudes. Uh, and then, yeah, we've never been able to revisit it. And it was been one of our most popular beers. We've done a recurring collaboration beer with spotlights who used to live in Brooklyn. Two of them, uh, Mario and Sarah are in Pittsburgh now. And, uh, Chris still lives in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. I see, uh, I see Chris all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we've done that beer since we opened basically put it out when, uh, love and decay first came out, Justin Jay, who was friends with Mario and Sarah, 
he was a real good friend of all of ours. He died. Oh man, it's been 12 or 13 years now. It's been a while. Um, but like we kind of connected, uh, when spotlights were on a Melvin's tour and I just kind of threw it out. I was like, Hey guys, if you guys ever want to do a collab beer to honor Justin, I was like, I'm totally down. It was such a big hit and it's such an important beer to me personally. And we love those guys so much that we just, it's our, it's a recurring seasonal for us now. Uh, and we just put that out again last week or the week before that that's been awesome to do. Let's see other band collabs. I think that's it on the band collabs uh, that we've put out. Like I said, ever since the pandemic, it all blurs together for me. Um, <laughs> But we are getting ready to, uh, we'll be out in Philly for Decibel Metal and Beer again in June. Uh, and we're uh, working with a band called uh, Death Evocation, uh, which was a band I wasn't familiar with at all. Uh, and a few weeks ago, Albert from Decibel hit me up and was like, hey, dude, do you know this band? And I was like, no, I, I don't. And he said, well, I've been trying to get out because he's trying to get bands back together just to come play. Yeah, fast, yeah, you know? yeah. Because they got Dead Guy last yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a big push for that festival going forward. And so he was like, hey, this is one of my favorite bands. This is one of my favorite records. And he said, "You're the way you look at beers goes perfect with what these guys want to do. Um, so they put out, I think, just one record in 2009. Albert sent me a link to it. And it's uh it's a little more like old school uh, death metal, which I love when it's that kind of old style stuff. Yeah, they've got those, you know, you've got to have that like doomy, slow, breakdowny kind of stuff in it. It can't yeah. just all be fast and teched out for me. I like some of that stuff, but it it wears me out. I like it live. You know what I mean? Like I I can go to those shows and be stoked and lose my mind it's the, i think it's the energy that they bring yep, yep, and it's yep. i have i really don't have anything against it, tech death like i i know it's always like you know you're supposed to have like oh i hate this like yeah, i just yeah, don't yeah. really listen to it it's never really yeah. been my thing and and same with metalcore like yeah I know right it was i know every yeah. time i die I had like the biggest blowout in like yeah recent metal history yeah like, i've right. never that's that band has never really been on like my radar aside from yeah. knowing who they are that was still like pretty fucking wild to to see go down but yeah i definitely found myself leaning a lot more in favor of the like the old school death metal the obituaries and yep. immolation and and yeah, shit yeah, yeah. Like that you know I, I i dig all that stuff because yeah for me it's like i'll see these bands and i'm like oh man that was fucking awesome and then you know pull it up online on for the car ride home. And it's like, man, nope. <laughs> yeah. Sorry guys. I'll catch you next time you're in town. I'm like that with grindcore and like power violence stuff too. I go to those mm -hmm. shows and absolutely love it. And then like sit down, you know, sit down and listen to it. And it's like, eh, eh. yeah, we'll catch We'll catch on the next, next tour. Um, but yeah, we're doing uh with death evocation. We're doing a alt beer with those guys. Uh, Gutz, who's the kind of singer and founder of the band, he's a he's a German expat. He started this band in San Diego. The one release I know of was from 2009, um, and he's out. He lives out in uh, uh, North Carolina now. As soon as Albert was like, "This is one of my favorite records," I was like, "I, I, sh I don't even know why I listened to it. I should have just said yes." <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that'll be out in uh, in June for the fest, and we'll be out. Yeah, we'll be out there for three, three, four days in Philly for the fest too. So 
should be sick. It was nice. fun. It was fun last time. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I unfortunately uh, can't make it. I'll be in uh, Asbury for uh, during the same exact period of time. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, but it, I do want to get down to that festival at some point. It's yeah. super fun, man. It's a lot. It's a long ass day though. Like that's a lot of bands. And then when you're back pouring beer at the booth, I mean, I think we were there for seven hours i think was the time frame for it and then you you know doing that like two days in a row is just crazy it was just crazy but so sick i got i got in the pit last time and everything like we're i was standing up with uh justin paris from wake brewing we were up in the balcony i went out and waste started playing and man like the fucking pits just opened up and i looked at justin i i hadn't gotten a pit for like 18 years or some shit like that and i looked at him and i was like all right i'll be back and he was like where are you going i was like i'm getting in the pit and then i walked (laughs) by i walked by our table and i'm like taking my phone and my wallet out and drop it on the table for and i was like told my wife i was like i'll be right back and she looked at me and she goes oh my god got down got like five laps i mean these pits were just huge like just like size just size wise and I've always been a pit skipper, not a pit runner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing my skip arounds. And I think I maybe got around five times, um, got knocked down, hit my head, hit my elbow, banged up my knee, twisted my ankle, probably sprained it. And then, uh, yeah, I got back up. You know, it was, you know, this is a whopping like minute and 42 seconds or something. And I was, I was good to go, man. I was like, all right never doing that again and it was like cool to kind of like retire from it with your homies for the playing their first show in like two years that was one of the really cool things at that decibel fest is most of those bands hadn't played shows for depending mm-hmm. on when their tour cycles ended i mean some of those guys hadn't played for two and a half or three years and had tours interrupted from the pandemic so every single band came out and man just absolutely brought it that converge set at the end, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it. And I mean, I've been to, you know, 1500 shows, just the energy in the room was just the whole time. But man, when converge came out, they, they did that full Jane Doe set. I mean, they just tore the whole world apart. And it was like, I, I get pretty emotional at shows. And man, for the like first half of that, I was just like, I was like in tears, just sitting there, just like, uh, it was, it was, unbe- it was unbelievable. <laughs> the irony of a band yeah. led by a guy who's straight edge and yeah, yeah, yeah. like catering to a bunch of drunk idiots. Yeah, yeah. We almost, we almost did a, we almost did a collab beer with them for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, would it be like, you could do like a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was insane. But that man is like, that was really, I had to do a couple shows after the pandemic, but it was kind of just local stuff. Nobody mm-hmm. had come through on tours. Um, so that was really kind of the first touring kind of show that I had seen since the pandemic. And like, man, every, everybody just brought it and was so excited to be out. And, and I mean, you could just feel it in the whole room. I mean, there were, you know, four or 5,000 people there. And it was just absolutely, it was, it's one of my favorite ex- music experiences ever. And I, I'm so glad we got to be there. That's rad. On the other end of the spectrum, have you had like a particularly bad brewing experience? <laughs> and or have you had a particularly bad beer? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, I've had lots of bad beers. I generally try not to call people out. Right. (laughs) 
you know, because I think there's this thing you can say, it's just kind of like music is, you know, it's like, is it bad because it's not my deal or is it just bad? So there, there's, some, you know, it, is it just not my deal? There's some of that that goes on to me with beer. But yeah, I've, I've definitely had a lot of really bad beers. Um, I think one of the great things about the proliferation of breweries and just the way that we operate with each other, it's very, it's very, I mean, there's so much crossover to how the music industry works and how the brewing industry yeah. works. I think the number one thing is none of us are doing this because we have to. And I, I will always say it all, it all started in a garage or a basement, whether you're a band or a brewer, you know, this stuff all started at somebody's house and it was somebody's idea to do, and it wasn't to get rich and it wasn't to make money. And you had no idea all the terrible things you would have to do and suffer through um, to have it work. But, you know, these are all labors of love for us. And because of that, we're, we're all very open. The brewing industry is so open source. It's just not even funny. There's very few things that I do that I wouldn't just share openly with, with anybody that asks me. Mm -hmm. I have a couple things I don't talk about too much with people. But with just the open source nature of brewing, um, and, and especially the proliferation of the internet and, you know, YouTube videos about how to brew, uh, and, and that kind of stuff, like everybody's brewing has improved because of it. And it's because we share stuff and it's because we share ideas. And I think that bands are like that too. New gear, new equipment, new, you know, whatever it is, you know, new stuff comes out, everybody gets excited about it shares how to use it, shares how they use it. Everybody kind of finds their own way how to use that thing. And that's really what we've seen in brewing. So I think the bad beers thing has gone away to, not completely, but to a large extent, everybody's brewing mm -hmm. has, has improved a lot, especially in the last like five years, because you have to. Bad brewing experiences. I mean, if you've brewed professionally longer than like a couple years, <laughs> you've you like have, you've overflowed uh, you uh, have, uh, one of those yeah bait, uh, yeah. What, uh, what do you call them? The the where, uh, fermenter the, uh, for, or a kettle? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We just yeah we had our first boil over here like a couple weeks ago. But yeah, I mean, professional brewing is uh, a land uh, like a minefield of calamities. Um, like everything works fine until, uh, you need it to work fine, even with new equipment. I mean, stuff breaks, you have to find a way to fix it and work around. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much like, it's pretty much a constant battle. I used to have a list that I kind of kept running in my head of the dumbest thing I ever had to do brewing was this. And it finally just got, got so long that I just gave up on it especially in the last two years, we've had so much supply chain problems and like freight showing up late, mm -hmm. and like flipping schedules constantly. There's always bad brewing days. And also if you have somebody coming in to brew with you that day is probably the day that the thing's going to break. So, well, so like the first time uh, the weight guys came down here and brewed with us and we've been out there and brewed with them too. Um, I, I'm trying to remember everything that happened the day that they were here. Because uh, <laughs> it was something, I can't remember, something broke in the brewery. Fuck, what was it? 
But then we were having all these plumbing problems here and our toilets were backing up that day. Oh so my God. <laughs> I had Jason was in the back with one of my brewers, like trying to fix whatever went on back there. I was up front here with Justin running a goddamn pipe snake down the toilet and down the floor drains. I, we ended up having to pull the whole toilet off. Thank God you're a brewery owner and, and understand <laughs> how this is working. That was probably our last really dumb thing that happened here was, yeah, just like having guests in and being like, hey, man, can you come help me unclog my sewer? <laughs> what? Like, Jesus, what? Like, welcome welcome how, to cosmic eye how was your trip out there yeah, uh, yeah. Honey, it, was, it was great i ripped the toilet out of the ground yeah, yeah. just lodged a giant turd from it good lord yeah well in that trip they came out we scheduled that whole uh brew day around uh sleep was in town in omaha um mm-hmm. and hopkins was doing that tour uh john was the one that kind of connected uh the two of us mm. or you know brewery wise I, yeah, one day I got a message from Hopkins and it just had uh, Jason and Justin attached to it. And he was like, you guys are the most metal brewers I know and the coolest guys I know. And you guys just should be friends. And we've been really good friends ever since. So, I mean, if John if John told you, you just shut the fuck up and did it. So, yeah. So he was he was on the sleep tour and I just I just hit those guys up and was like, hey, guys, coming down for the show. Let's brew a beer the next day. Um and yeah, we've been good. We've been real good friends with those guys ever since. But yeah, having a guest in helping you, uh, you know, pipe snake your toilet is um, pretty far up there on the dumb things at a brewery day. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm definitely gonna if I ever um, get out there and see him, I'm definitely gonna mention that to him. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Uh, and that's like kind of, you know, to bring it back to that too. Like, that's the cool thing that was the cool thing about somebody like John Hopkins was he was able to connect people. You know, that's how I got in touch with Jason and yep. inevitably that's how we're talking. And yep. uh, yeah, it just fucking sucks that he's not here. That's what I told everybody too. You know, like I, you know, I, John and I texted constantly. Um, you know, we, we talk on the phone every couple of weeks, but I mean, I was, I was text messaging that dude back and forth pretty much every couple of days. And it didn't matter where he was in the world or what tour he was on or what time it was like he's and like he was so good to my whole family, man. He was awesome to my wife. He loved my kids. Well, at this sleep show that we went to with the wake guys, we got to the door and I knew we were, you know, we were always on the list when John was in town and uh, my daughter was with us. She would have been 10 at the time, 10 and a half. So we got up and I was like, hey, guys, we're on the list. I was like, you know, Sam Riggins plus two. And the gal running the door looks at me and she goes, I don't have a Sam Riggins on the list. And she looked at my daughter and she goes, I have an Olive Riggins on the list. (laughs) And I was like, it was just like the sweetest, nicest thing, man. And I was like, dude, this is so awesome. Um, But like, yeah, what I, I told a couple of our mutual friends after John died, I was like, you know, I said, here's the deal. I was like, John's legacy is like getting all of us together Um, because he was so good. And I tried, I try to be good at that too. Like, man, I I'll name drop you in two seconds. If I know you and know, you know, somebody else like having a huge network is, is amazing. 
Uh, having really cool friends is amazing. And I just want everybody to get together and hang out. And, and I know that's what John wanted too. And, you know, he just knew, he knew everybody. I mean, he'd call, he'd call people or text people to get us on guest lists and get us hooked up with bands that like, we didn't even know. He'd be like, Hey, are you going to the show tonight? And I'd be like, yeah, we're going to that. And he was like, Hey, here's so-and-so's number. They know you're coming, you know, and he's in Argentina with overkill when this happens, you know? And he's just like, it was just always so thoughtful, always wanted to make sure you were taken care of and you were cool. Um, But yeah, yeah, I told people that like his legacy is just is getting us all together and it's it's going to be missed a lot. And I I think like I one of the things that's been hard for me is just the timing of it sucked. And now like everybody's getting tour dates again. I know when we go to this Uncle Acid show that it's just going to be a big cry fest for a minute. Um. And, you know, not not really seeing the bands that he worked with. I, we just saw the Waste guys the other week. Um, and, you know, John always worked with them, too. So that was, like, really the first time. You know, I, I was pretty surprised I didn't have some, like, big meltdown over that. Um, but, yeah, starting to see bands come back through that he worked with that we know. Um, I know it's going to I know it's going to be hard for a while. I, I know it's going to be hard forever. Yeah, yeah. I, and I mean, and. And yeah, it's it's huge shoes to fill for anybody. That's Literally, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, John was a big dude. I assume he had some big ass feet. Yeah. Um, but like you know, the at the Yob shows, like I don't know if, yeah. if you know him, uh, Dave Clark. He's a guy that's done a lot of touring yep. with Sleep and Neurosis, yep. and yep. you know he was there. And uh, you know, and I was talking to another friend, uh, Tim Bugby, uh, Tinnitus uh, Photography, who's also really good friends with John. Yeah, I've got you know. I, you know I've got that shot of yeah. uh, John at the at the, at board. the board with the Melvin yeah. show. We have that hanging up in our tap room. So nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I said, "Hey, Tim, you know who's who's this dude? I know he's popped up in your pictures before." And he's like, "Oh, it's Dave Clark. He's a great guy." You know, he's like, "I'm really glad to see that he's you know doing okay because I really haven't like I just heard from him recently, but I didn't hear from him for like almost like a year, year and a half, and." He's like, go tell him I said hello, and I appreciated him reaching out. And you know, I just chatted with him for a little bit. You know, I never want to take up anybody's time because they're yeah, yeah. they're working, yeah, yeah. you know, they're doing yep. their thing. Yep. I just wanted to do like a quick hello. And you know, Dave's a super friendly guy, and you know, I don't really know much about him, but evidently he was taking the time to get himself educated and uh, get himself sobered up. So good yeah. for him. And awesome. You know, I'm I'm glad that you know the uh, you know the old road dogs are still kind of hanging on and sticking around and whatnot so i've got a photo i've got a photo of john that we're going to put on our soundboard when we get it and it's going to say it's just going to say john hopkins is watching you don't fuck up (laughs) we're just going to have that on our board for for the rest of its life that's awesome it's going to be yeah it's going to be great (laughs) i and and we're really only putting it there for you know the people that get it and that knew john and i know that i know they'll get a big kick out of it and i know i know i I probably would have put it up regardless. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to have someone come in and be like, Oh my God, who's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up and I've got to go, I got to go bring home the bacon. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Um, you know, is, uh, have you been listening to anything, uh, recently, you know, that you've really been digging on, whether it's new or old or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, um, I, that new all them witches record i've been on that pretty hard um they're playing omaha in a couple weeks 
and well next week they're playing omaha next week that was a band that i never really got into um and then um i thought uh blackwater holy light was doing that whole tour with them mm-hmm. and so i was very excited because you know going back to our conversation about like you know women not being at shows um i've taken my I, my daughter's grown up going to shows with me um she's seen more bands than most adults that i know uh and so um it's always been important to me to to have her around other women that are that are in music um i was really excited when uh we finally got to take her down to see spotlights a few weeks ago they were on that mm-hmm. shiner tour in kansas city it was a big deal for me to be able to have her see Sarah on stage, see Sarah at the merch booth, doing all the things that she does so well. So I was really stoked to take, cause we saw Blackwater Holy Light when they did a monologue tour. Mm-hmm. And the whole time we were just like, it was just me and my wife cause it was out of town. But the whole time we were like, man, I really wish the olive was here to see these girls on stage, just tearing it up. So I got super excited. We we're going to take our daughter to see this all-female, awesome, heavy band. And I had never really been into all of them witches. And then when I like started looking in the tour, I was like, oh, man, Blackwater Holy Light's not on this date. Uh, and then I was like, uh, maybe I'll just ditch, ditch these tickets. Like, ah, maybe I should just give this band another shot. And then started playing that last record. And I, I've been stuck on that ever since. God, what else have I been listening to lately? I'm kind of in that like in and out mode right now, you know, I'm like mm. checking out a lot of new stuff and like none of it's really sticking, but you know, the stuff I listen to all the time, I mean, we're like, I'm on King Buffalo all the time. I'm on like Conan all the time. I would listen to Yob more often if I could like, cause that, th- those things for me are like full record experiences. Yeah. Um, very immersive. I, can't, I can't really just like, put it on and have a couple songs come on, you know, mm-hmm. let me see. Let me put, let me just pull, let me pull up my uh, title recently listened to. I I've been listening to a lot of Shiner lately, um, which is an old Kansas city, kind of like math, mathy core mm-hmm. indie band that there's this thing happening where bands are getting back together and doing mm-hmm. tours as old people, you know? And so uh, my very good friends, Vitrious humor from Lawrence, they were like kind of pre emo kind of band, they just got back together and played, so I've been listening to that a lot lately. Oh, my friend John, uh, my friend John Lane probably knows them. Yeah, yeah, they they were amazing. They, those guys, I mean, they were like, they were this close, to just blowing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they really just didn't want to. A couple of them just didn't want the attention, and then they all got mad at each other, and you know, wait, waited twenty whatever years to play to, with each other again. Uh, another band I've been listening to a lot lately is uh, Paradise Lost from the UK. Ah, fucking rules. I never knew this band, and when um, when I was talking to Guts, uh, working out this Death Evocation uh, collab, he was talking about them, and then I I had said something about um, you know being a, a huge uh, oh my god now I'm gonna feel stupid oh man what's that dude's other band uh, oh the record Splinters Valenfire. I was like, I'm a huge Valenfire fan. And he was like, oh, do you like uh, Paradise Lost? And I was like, I don't even know that band, man. And then I, I've been stuck on that like pretty hard lately too. Yeah, their um, most recent record that they put out was fucking bad. Yeah, it's so good. And it's like one of those things, it's like, you know, I don't know 
I don't know how I missed it. I don't know why I missed it. And well, and that's just one of the cool things with like underground music too, is there's, there's so much of it. Um, and it's so, it's so easy to miss stuff. And then 10 years later, you're digging through these back catalogs and wondering why you were so stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I've been listening to a lot. I've been back on Mastodon pretty hard lately. I got into those guys right when Remission came out and was just so into it for so long. And I feel like they've just got such a huge catalog now that it just finally got to the point where it was like, even though I loved the records, it was like, oh man, here's another Mastodon record, you know? And I kind of go in and out of them every couple of years and just get like super hard and heavy into it. I'm pretty much on a steady diet of chemists all the time too. I can't really ever put that stuff away. I've been listening to a lot of Tool lately. They're playing in Omaha in a couple of weeks. I love that band yeah, so much. Yeah, they just hit New York. Yeah, we were gonna go see them in Vegas. Uh, we were out. We went out to Vegas to see Chemist, and then that they ended up canceling that tour. Then we were like, "What the hell are we gonna do?" And we're walking down the strip and at the Bellagio sign. Oh, Tool at T-Mobile Arena. So we spent a shitload of money on tickets and then I got down there and just, I couldn't go in, man. Like I, I have some pretty serious respiratory problems. Uh, so mm. the COVID stuff is terrifying to me. Uh, and we got down there and there were like 10,000 people at the gate. Oof. And, you know, I've been to some 400, 500 people shows. Um, I know that the Omaha and Lincoln vaccination rates are 75 plus percent. So I'm, pretty comfortable there but man when you're in las vegas and you're like getting ready to walk into twenty thousand people for the first time in two years i had a total panic attack freak out and couldn't even go in and i I was very i was very rock and roll sam was very disappointed in responsible (laughs) sam but yeah so they're they're playing in omaha in a couple weeks so we're going to that so i've been i've been listening i kind of brushing up and listening to all that stuff again too Nice. Let's do a quick round for me. Um, the new Amorphous album is really good. A buddy of mine told me about this Japanese like sludgy grindcore band called Shapeshifter, and they have the they had an album out last year, and they have an album out this year that's called Dark Ritual. It's 17 minutes long, and it fucking whips. It's Just, even got like yeah. kind of a do. Weirdly enough, the longest yeah. song on it is like the the more doomy song. I but love it's, that. Like, it's like three minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the album is fantastic. It's, it's very impressive. And then I also found out about uh, this artist uh, Sasami, who's like a, kind of a, I guess, started out sort of like an indie uh, rock kind of. But like, she has a new album out called Squeeze, and it's like just a myriad of sounds, like psychedelic, metal, punk, uh, garage rock, fuzz. It's fucking awesome. awesome. I love it. I think Ty Siegel produced it. Oh sure, um, so, I know yeah. what I know. What came out the other week that I was listening to a lot—that new author and Punisher. Oh yeah, fucking Fuck. rules. And it's weird to me. I, I hate saying it like this because I don't think his other stuff isn't musical. But it's like there's something about it that's like I, I feel like is more listenable to a lot of. It's people. definitely more accessible and right? less like sort of experimental industrial. Yeah. He's sold out. He's totally sold out. These are all top forty songs now, right? <laughs> <laughs> but like I don't the know, second, but I love the it. second I put it on, man. Like I mean, I was like halfway through that first song, and I was like, "It's just, it's so good." And it's just all the stuff from before is there, but like there's this new, 
thing that he's doing that that just makes it like more and and i think i think a lot of times when i'm putting on music and listening to it for the first time there's always this thought in my head that it's like can i play this in the tap room and that you totally can <laughs> and so i was like man i could totally like a Portis head cover on it and everything. Oh, it's like, a really good cover too. God damn. Well, and it was like so different that like I I've worn that Portis head record out my whole life. Yeah. And like when that song came on, I didn't even recognize what it was. And yeah, I but then when it got to the the chorus, I remember being like, this sounds so familiar. What the hell is this? And that's what I did too. I, yeah. I realized what it was. Yeah. I yeah, got to the chorus good. and was like, man, what is this song? And then I was kind of walking around all day, like working and stuff. And it, it just keep popping in my head. And it was like three hours later. And I was like, holy shit, it's Portishead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that, dude's, that dude's a genius. We saw oh, him. Yeah. I haven't seen him yet. I, I was sad that I missed uh, when he was playing with um, Cattle Decap and Primitive Man. Yeah, he, he came through. I don't remember who the headliner was on that tour. Um, but they were coming, they were going Denver to Chicago. Uh, and, and this was at that bourbon theater. They've got a front room that's small. And then the big, big room is big, real big. And so the, the headliners bus broke down or something. And so Tristan just did headline show. Uh, our friends, Plaque Blag opened up for him. And then like, he just got a super long set in this super small room. It's one of the it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I've been following him for years and been a fan for a long time. But man, when you see that in person, it is that he's just doing shit nobody's even thought about ever in the history of the world. Um, and when you're able to stand three feet from and just watch it all go down, it was it was incredible. We took in some beers and he was playing ping pong with my daughter uh, before the show. And then, like, we were watching the show, and I think Olive would have maybe, I mean, she would have been maybe 11. We got done with the show, and she was like, this is the coolest show I've ever been to, Dad. <laughs> and I was like, awesome. And I was like, what was your favorite part? And she was like, because he doesn't do anything with his feet, right? He doesn't have any foot controllers. So he's just, like, dancing and stomping around. And she was like, I, just, I was just watching his feet the whole time. I was just like, cool, man. I was like, I dig it. But yeah, that new author and Punisher, yeah, I, that's a pretty early contender for album of the year for me. I think it's going to be pretty hard to beat it. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a pretty uh, strong uh, opening, you know, so far. The year has been kicked off pretty well in terms of uh, like stuff that's that's come out that's been really good. And I think that the one that uh, I don't know. I mean, I know where I. I'm of the opinion on it, but I also love the new Blood Incantation album, which is not death metal at all. But I didn't is, listen to that yet. It is uh, it is entirely ambient synth stuff. And yeah, it fucking rules. Yeah, my buddy, uh, my buddy Mitch lives out in Denver, um, and he he photographs shows out there all the time, and he's he's he constantly reminds me when stuff comes out. I don't know how early he gets up in the morning out there because they're like an hour behind us even. And so it's like, I'll look at my phone and it's like, dude, you don't need to text me at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the new blood incantation came out. But my yeah. friend did the same thing, except we're on the Damn. same time zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny. Well, it's just like what he he just gets up early and goes, he's like an exercise person. 
Um, so he like gets up and goes oh, jogging yeah. and riding his bike. And I am, that is, uh, not my lifestyle. <laughs> um, <laughs> nor is it mine. Yeah. Get up three minutes before I have to leave. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, unfortunately I got to run, but, uh, you know, cool, is, there, is there anything you want to plug? I, uh, you know, let people know where they can find out more about cosmic eye brewing. Yeah, man. Um, our uh, Instagram is where most of our stuff goes down. We have a uh, very intermittent Twitter feed. <laughs> I hate, I hate Twitter, man. It's yeah, like Twitter sucks. I'm not. On it, it hits my. Uh, it just hits my ADHD in a really weird way. Um, but uh, on Instagram, uh, we're at Cosmic Eye um, You can follow me at Slayer Sam. Um, our website's just Cosmic Eye uh, if you follow us on Facebook, uh, we have all our events and things. We do food trucks every weekend. Uh, we do arts and craft nights here at the brewery all the time. Uh, all our beer release stuff, all that kind of stuff. We always have events going on. So if you're in the Nebraska area, hit that follow button on Facebook and all our stuff will populate to you and you'll know when we're when we're doing what. Awesome. That's man. my plugs. It was a pleasure to have you on. I'm, yeah, man. I'm Thanks we, for having me on. I'm glad that we finally got to talk. Um, looking forward to hopefully one day. There you go. You there you go. I got that. Mood. I got the Zoom knuckles and everything. <laughs> Mood. Yeah, that's yeah, it's backwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but hopefully, I can get out and visit you one day, yeah, or man. I can get myself down to Decibel metal and beer fest and you know we can hang out there yeah like that. we're we're kind of in the process of looking at expanding a little bit too um and starting to hit some markets that aren't just just nebraska anything we do will probably be bigger cities that we can do god man i got the burps now um <laughs> right at the end uh, that and that's what everybody remembers right the beginning <laughs> and the end um but we're actually looking at, at, at possibly starting to do some limited distribution in like New York, Philly, L.A., Chicago, that kind of stuff. And just kind of doing, you know, smaller drops once a quarter, that kind of thing. So hopefully we will be out in some markets that people can actually uh, find us in. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I'll keep an eye out for that. And Killer, man. Up until then, stay safe. Hope to... You know, hope to meet you sooner, yeah, sooner man. than later. Awesome. And, that, and that'll do it for this chapter of the diary. Awesome. Cheers, buddy. Thanks for having me on. But, oh, I just kicked my plug out. No, it's okay. And my computer will die. <laughs> Man, my iPad is that way. Don't do the Macintosh Monterey update. Anybody, don't oh. do it.